0: You can tell we're cooking with gas now. Of course, that's probably a thing of the past soon, isn't it? We're trying to remove the gas stoves from these U.S. of A. But we're uh, we're pleased to have uh, the official network outline distributor with us now. And uh, so i prepared an outline just for this occasion. Uh, this is this is really a, a wonderful emphasis um, for this month that we have traditionally honored the gift of the evangelist, and um, I I was thinking yesterday during the prayer time about what our directive was for first Saturday and um, how that we were welcoming. The dunamis power of God and the capability, the working of that, and the, uh, the wonderful privilege to know grace remedies, and I was thinking about that, and the Lord started to talk with me about um, some of the factors of that and what it would mean for us going forward, and uh, then this scripture. Second Timothy 1 7 came very prominently to my thinking, and and as I looked at it, I saw some things that I'd never really seen before, and I believe that it's a word from the Lord for us today. So 2 Timothy 1 verse 7. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. We've talked about this a number of times over the years from a number of different perspectives. And um, there are so many nuggets of truth that the Spirit is wanting to reveal to us this morning. Um, I've thought about different flow patterns of order for how to bring them. But um, I think the best thing for us to know is that there are, there are probably four things that we've, that are meat for us today that are going to be revealed uh, as the Spirit directs this sermon. So just keep ready. Um, this is all fresh, and um, I'm really excited about all of them, but particularly about a couple of them. Um, the first thing that I'm going to say, and I'm not going to dwell on this for very long, is that it's a very real thing to speak about an atmosphere of fear. Seems that that's something that the world and our country has been focusing on in so many different ways, and it continues to today. And the enemy wants to use fear to motivate people's lives. The enemy wants to use fear to motivate society towards specific courses of action. And we, we even see that readily uh, demonstrated in the events of this past week. And like I said, I'm not going to dwell very much on this. We all know that um, fear is an ever-present commodity of the world system. And it really is used to try to herd people in certain directions. And uh, as so many have said over the years, and I, I can remember Les speaking about this a number of times, um uh, the the directive Fear not is one of the most, if not the most r- repeated directive in Scripture. Uh, and so we just need to recognize, yeah, we need to be prepared for things. Uh, not being fearful doesn't mean you're you're ignorant of your responsibilities or preparation. Um, we, we need to be prepared for the things that that we know we're going to need. Uh, bless his heart. He he's just not a happy boy this morning for, for this moment. But you know the thing is though that we we're not we're in this world but we're not of it. So what has God given us instead of the uh, the need to participate in the spirit of fear? You know, it, there's so many things we could talk about with fear. Is fear actually a spirit? Is there a demonic spirit of fear? I would just say this. Sometimes, when a term is used in Scripture like the spirit of this or the spirit of that, specifically when it's speaking about God, it talks about his seven spirits, who he is. But there can be uh, uh, the utilization of the spirit of something to describe an atmosphere or a prevailing point of uh, agreement amongst a people and that creates its own, I use the term atmosphere already, it creates its own genre of, of belief. And when that happens, it's 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 not necessarily a demonic being. It's something that the enemy uses, but it really describes an influence. And the enemy knows how to put things together to create influences. He he knows how people react. He knows he's been driving uh, the heathen for uh, thousands upon thousands of years. And if he can create a cer- set of circumstances that will then provoke a response, and then that response then generates some kind of a, an ideology or a momentum that creates um, some horrific thing to happen, he'll do it. Whether it was the genocide in Rwanda that uh, happened just 10 years before we went into Uganda, or whether it was the, um, the the red scourge during the time in Cambodia, during our lifetime, or whether it was the, the massive purge during the initial communist takeover in Russia, or, or whether it was what happened in Nazi Germany where there was just that atmosphere of, um, of so many things that contributed to to wicked behaviors beyond what we can, uh, we can understand. Yes, the enemy was there, but he was orchestrating things that uh, people could either buy into by themselves or, um, <coughs> or reject. And so to me, the spirit of fear is not a, a particular uh, demonic uh, entity. Uh, but it is it it was a, it's an atmosphere that comes against what the apostle Paul says God is giving. So if you see power, love, and sound mind, if you took those three factors and boiled them down to some kind of a human definition, then you could see the framework by which fear operates. And so, what are those three factors there? They may be different than what than what uh, any of us have thought. Let's talk first of all about what a sound mind is. first thing I want to say about a sound mind is that the mind isn't anywhere in the original Scripture. The word for mind is not there. We put it there. And we're going to talk about what it really is. And if anybody has a problem with it, you can just search it for yourself and see that what I'm saying is true. You know, we use this term in, in wills, you know, people that write a will, you know, Ron Crawford being of sound mind and sound body. I remember that scene from the, the, the movie Lincoln, and Lincoln was talking about when he was an attorney, and this old lady, he said she was old, um, probably my age, um, this old lady was accused of murdering her husband, and, um, Lincoln was talking. You remember the story if you saw the the the, 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 the movie, but he, the Lincoln was talking to the lady, and uh, apparently this man was very cruel. And he was very suspicious, and um, uh, the, the 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 he he was murdered. And when they read his will, they read his will as a point point of the court uh, proceedings. And his the the guy said, "My name. This is my name. Being of sound mind." And I, su- and the next thing he said is, I suspect she has killed me. <laughs> In the will, <laughs> and Lincoln told about how he allowed the old lady to escape out out the window, and and everybody knew that even if she had murdered the guy, that he was he was des- deserving of it. Nobody wanted to pursue her. It was really a humorous story, as, as you can think that Lincoln would tell. But being of sound mind is something that is part of usually people's wills to say that they're thinking right. They're not, um, they've not gone to live with the fairies. You know, they're they're still processing properly. And so we use that, we use that term. And when the church sees it, they, they, and I have been in the church for many, many decades. They think that when you talk about being of sound mind, that that means that uh, you've got things under control, and you're mature, and you you know how to handle things. and uh, you you are a person of of logic. and anything goes on in this church, it's going to have to be rational. and we're un- we we got it all under control. We don't want anybody to wonder about who's in charge here because we've got it all in control. And that's the sound mind. But the issue here is that the term from which sound mind is translated is basically two words, sozo and "friend." Now we've studied a lot about "friend" P-H-R-E-N. And we've talked a lot about how that means, remember the phrenic nerve in the neck and how it controls the breathing and how that word extrapolated through the New Testament speaks about you being in contact with God and being one with Him in spirit. When you pray with that spirit within, and then you you recognize truths from the word, and then that relationship with God guides your understanding of the scripture. And if you lack that, you're fools. And you, we've studied about those, and we're going to continue to study about them. But this friend means that we are, we are a spirit. You know, we're, we're functioning on behalf of the spirit that God has put within us, and our understandings come from that. It's, and then the mind has to submit to that. The natural mind is at enmity with the things of the spirit. And we've understood that, plus a myriad of other scriptures so the first thing that we have to understand about a sound mind is, again, dianoia is not in this at all. It's friend and sozo. Sozo is to be saved, to be delivered, to be healed, to be free, and a, a myriad number of other points. Uh, that is uh, one of, well, there, there are two basic words. We'll talk about the second one in just a few minutes but there're two basic words in the new testament that speak about being saved this is the main one so when it when paul says god has not given us a spirit of fear but of power and of love and sozo frenos or sophros um you look at the derivatives that in really when you look at it there are two different there are two different ways this is written depending on what lexicon you're looking at But the main thing is that the two roots are sozo and friend. So what it's really saying is what God has given us is the privilege to have the spirit within unlocked and to be functioning, to be whole, to be free. And and secondly, you can look at it another way. If you are free in spirit, in the spirit within, then you are someone that is functioning on behalf of that bringing the results of the freedom of spirit to others that's what god has given us it's with all due respect to people with lots of degrees behind their name i have three um you know it's not about your brain it's not about how smart you are it's not about how you have studied. it's not about how many sermons you've heard or how many you've preached this here says is your spirit active in God? And is that guiding your experience in him? Is that guiding the way you think? Is that guiding the way you respond? Is that guiding the way you react? And that also has a major factor with uh, when you're dealing in an atmosphere in the world that's guided by fear. Are you going to be guided by your emotions? Are you going to be guided by The things that you don't control or the things that you don't understand? Are you going to be guided by the specter of those possibilities or are you going to be guided by the Spirit? Are you going to be guided by what in your commune with God as you pray the mysteries of God, as you wait upon Him, as the candle of the Lord is moving within you, developing what God created you to be? Is that going to be your guiding force? Because if it is, God is with you. There's no room for fear. But if you let your mind take over. You let what everybody else thinks take over. And bless God, you're going to be right in the smack dab middle of fear. And you're going to be petrified. And that's going to guide what you do. Oh, I better not do that. I better be afraid. Remember when we went to Africa for the first time? How many people did I hear whose relatives or some yahoo down the street said, oh, you better not go there. That Boy, they've just had lots of murders. You know, they're murdering people over there. You remember that? I sure do. I had to counsel some people through that fear. I don't know how many places that uh, we've gone in ministry where before we've gone into them, we got a plethora of words from folks, don't go there, you're going to die. And here we are, living to tell the tale. So you got to follow what the Spirit says and not give place to fear. That doesn't mean you be idiotic. It doesn't mean you just go where, where you shouldn't go just to just to trust the Lord when he never sent you there. Several kings in the Old Testament met a horrible fate because they did that. Some even who heard prophecies about victories over certain nations, they went before God said to go. Look what happened to Uzziah. You know, he was smart. He was brilliant. He had a spirit of creativity. He was dominating the known world with his inventiveness. And he was the envy, Israel was the envy of the known world because of how he generated things. And then his mind took over and he thought, I'm going to do what, whatever I want to do. And God smote him. <laughs> I don't want that. So, you know, the, the beautiful thing about the sound mind here is, first of all, you can recognize, as I've said three times now, the human mind is not mentioned anywhere in that original. So really what it should say is the spirit, the born-again spirit within you is free to function the way God created it to function. The natural mind is implied here only if it is submitting to the things of the spirit. But sound mind here isn't that you have gained an IQ quotient from somebody laying hands on your noggin and you're just a... Uh, you know, a, 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 a double-brained person, and you—you you have such wisdom beyond all around you. No, this is wholeheartedly, totally, and completely that the spirit within that Jesus came for you to be born again in is communing with God, and you're getting your direction from it. And the natural mind, which doesn't really like it, I even—even mean, even if you've trained it. I've tried to train my mind to think what God's Spirit is saying. And even with that, my mind tries to get a leg up on the thing. And, you know, so you, gotta, you, you can't ever think that you've disciplined, you know, like some people think about Rottweilers, don't send me letters. But you've, you've got the perfect one that doesn't have any inbreeding to, to attack people. If you think your mind is just so saturated with the presence of the Lord that it will never react against the things of the Spirit, you're in for a swift kick somewhere. And you better just just recognize that it is a day-after-day process of causing that Spirit within, that Jesus paid the price that it would be born again, that, that that you would continue to walk in that. And have every other part of your life come into alignment with it. We're going to look at a scripture. We're talking about um, Dunamis here in a second. But um, I'm not going to go there now. But just remember, in 1 Corinthians 15, where it says that um, the last Adam was made a quickening spirit. <laughs> and you have to remember that, you know, Adam, the first Adam, really delved into the demonic realm and became a product of the world. Jesus came to quicken the spirit within, and we've got to live in that freedom. So, you know, this, you know, now, as I was studying this, maybe that was nugget one. Um, as I was studying this, the Lord let me see some things about friend that I I had was just astounded by. In fact, I thought, well, this is. I'll just speak on this totally. And I thought, no, as Uncle Jed would say, that's going to take some splaining. And so I'll I'll do something deeper, no pun intended, with this come seminar. But here's what I discovered. In your Strong's or whatever you look at, you'll likely not find a root for friend. You'll not find a root word for friend. You won't find it. And it's basically because um, there, there was a combination of the idea, and I don't really know when this started, but if God created humans in the way I've just been describing, um, stands to reason that people... Way, way 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 back when understood the reality and the di- dynamic of, of what I'm saying. It's the Western world that's kind of grounded into the dust that w- you know we can't be we 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 can't we can't let just let God's spirit do anything. I mean we're people of order, we want to be respected in the world and um, but people understood that we were created to to commune with God in the depth of, of, of who we are. We've studied about the Ma'a, We've studied about the, the hidden man of the spirit. We've studied about the, the belt of truth. We've studied about all of those factors, the bowels being uh, the, the, the base of commune with God. And um, we've studied about that. And, you know, the ancient, the ancient people, so many of them recognized that. And so they they would when they tried to describe what this was, and they came up with this term "friend." I, I was I was reading incidentally a, a very unique um, messianic lexicon opinion. It was it was an article written, and they weren't talking about what we were talking about. But I did find that they're saying that the root of "friend" is the greek word phreo and it means to draw water from a deep well or an aquifer and that from that word from "freo," comes the word that's in our uh, in our new testament but also in our medical journals that area of our the core musculature the diaphragm you know if you've taken voice lessons, lessons they sing you know, you've got to vocalize and, and the strength of your voice comes from the diaphragm and and, and you know that, that's there. Well, this is it comes from frail. And you know, they they even they would connect drawing from a well with drawing from the Spirit of God over and over again. The way they described one was with the other and vice versa. And they even it linguistically in the Greek language, if you were if you built a well, if you dug a well, and you were going to put a bucket or some kind of a container down there to pull it out, that's the way they described how people got revelation from God. But then they would build often. You know, you would do this even in West Virginia. They did this. They would build some kind of a structure around. The, the top of that well, whether it was brick or some sturdy wood, so that you didn't slip down and just slide into the well, or you had something that was more secure that would secure that opening and allow you to have the leverage to pull. And they, they used a, a word that, uh, that would describe that structure. And that word is where we get our English word, Phrase, p h r a s e. So once again, they said, if you're if you're coming down down into the water supply to gain revelation, then how you're going arti- to articulate that is from a base of your phraseology, from your phrase, and you're going to speak from that. It's very interesting the connection uh, between the the dipping into the well and bringing something up, and people gaining revelation from God and gaining that and being able to express it. Those two are almost synonymous. And here's the one that really then got me. I kept reading this, <laughs> I kept reading this, and I was thankful that after, oh gosh, how many years has it been? Oh, 40 plus years, I could still remember things from my Hebrew classes. Um, but they they were talking about how that in the Septuagint and in that crossover period when Israel was basically dominated for those hundreds of years by the Hellenistic society, that "frail" this word that you pull down into the well, was synonymous with ayin, A-Y-I-N. The valley of weeping has become a well that the eyes would, would be able to partner with God. And remember, we studied in this past year about how that letter represented 70 in accounting in the Old Testament. And we equated how that Moses and Jesus both had the 70 that they would send forth, indicating a people that were deeper in the things of the Spirit, who were able to mine the well of water of the things of God, and be able to communicate that. It's just so interesting here that for for a people that are called by God to commune with him, to pray in diversities of tongues, to be able to articulate what God reveals, to be able to articulate it on the basis of the scripture, and that is essential. Wow. That then what God's been saying over the past few months about the power of the the well, the power of the eye, the water supply. Here is a connection between the water supply and the eyes of God. Here is the connection between us digging deep into the innermost core of who God has made us to be and gaining revelation from him and then being conformed to that revelation and be able to function on behalf of that revelation and to be able to declare it and teach it and utilize it throughout the world. I also think it's very interesting that with God talking to us most recently a lot about the river from, uh, from the temple of the tabernacle of testimony and showing us factors and particulars throughout the scripture that we'd not really seen or, or applied. That God is saying it's time for that to begin to influence nations and God's preparing us for us. At that point he then brings us to this which I, I don't really still don't even know how I was able to see this. It wasn't me. I'm, I'm freely saying that this is not a product of my study. This is the Spirit guiding me to something at this time that, that I would not have seen with all of the, th- the thousands of dollars of resources that I have to study so that I can make as much as I can be sure that what I'm telling you is unadulterated and pure and true, uh, that we, even with all that, I didn't find this there. I found this in an obscure place by very notable scholars. Don't ask me where it is, um, and because I had to piece four or five things together to get this, and I can't tell you that. But but to see this was just phenomenal to me. To see the connection between drawing out of the core, the ma'a place, the friend, to be able to, to know that point of breath that is born again in Jesus, and to see how it was, it was how, how do we describe this, ancient man? How will we describe this, ancient Greece? Oh, well, it's just the same thing as drawing from the depths of, of cool water down deep and to bring that out and then to recognize that just as we can bring water out to fuel our fields and to feed our families and to feed our livestock and to, to make sure of its purity, that's the same way that you relate to the divine. That's the same way. I just think that's interesting. I, I, it, it's revelatory to me. And then you combine that again to say, how did these Jewish scholars take uh, an understanding of that in their Hellenistic society to fuel the diaspora? How did they describe it? They use this same word. How are we going to describe the IN? The, the Baca, the valley of Baca, the well of weeping. How are we going to describe the 70? Well, we'll just call it this wonderful word, frail, because they all understand what that is. It's to do, go way down deep into the, into the water supply and to bring it up. I think that's great. Now, the one thing that I, I still don't understand how God's going to do, it, but, but it's all water, you know. We, we draw deeply from the wells of salvation, you want to talk about the wells of salvation, you can't find a better Greek word than this wonderful sophronismos because it speaks about salvation and the well right there. That's what you're called to be. That's what you're called to do and to teach others, to teach others. I remember sometimes you hear about kids that go on kind of like quasi-peace-poor core things, to go into other nations and invest in the digging of wells for for villages. I think Ryan did that one time, if if I remember right. Um, And that's a a noble thing. What we are going to be privileged to do and what we are privileged to do is be able to go into the nations and teach people how to dip into the wells of salvation for themselves and not just wait for me or for you to come and uh, dole out some water for them. And to know the power of the Spirit. But there's a connection between this well digging into the wa- aquifers, into the, into the rivers that are not seen by man. And uh, the connection with this river of God and the streams thereof. I think it's no coincidence that God is bringing all of these points of understanding to us at this point. There's power in this. It's how deserts are going to be Uh, How are there going to be streams in the desert? Do you think God's just going to snap his finger and poop there they all are? Or do you think he may send you with a rod and a word to speak into it and to show other people this is how you do it? You don't just stay over here and murmur and complain. This is what you do before the Lord. Um, You're being sent to do this, and the empowerment of it through the word is what God is giving us. So there's a, and see, again, there's a connection. See, for all these years, we've been privileged, haven't we, to be able to be on our face before God, to be in prayer, to study the Word, and to to mind these points of meat, these understandings that are so rare, but yet they're what God intended from the beginning. There's a connection between that unequivocally and the bringing of water. It's not just, oh, you know, these people, these 70 over here, they're skilled, they're neumatikos individuals. That's true. But to bring water because of that, that's interesting, isn't it? And again, this is not me making this up. I mean, the the connection is is absolutely indisputable from an etymological uh, base. How do we describe how people commune with the divine? How do we describe how they are created by God to bring forth a revelation from him? How do we describe that? Does it just drip down from heaven and you just gather it all? That's how strange fire happens, isn't it? Read that in the Old Testament. No, it's got to come from God. How does it come? It comes this way. How can we describe it? Well, it's just like dipping down into a deep well and bringing that up and building a platform to where you can... Distribute that water safely and purely. Oh, well, doesn't God speak a lot about the well? Seems to me that when we studied about um, when we studied about Proscuneo, the woman at the well immediately comes to mind. All that discussion there at the well of Jacob is about laying on your face and God coming and communing with you, not just in Samaria or in Jerusalem, but all over the world, God's looking for that. What about when Eliezer found the wife for Isaac? Wow, there's another well, isn't there? What about the the digging of the the wells of of Abraham finally ending up with Rehoboth where there are wells for everybody? Wells for everybody. (laughs) We're silly with wells. Aren't you children of Abraham? Those wells are for you. So there's a real connection here between communing with God, bringing forth his word, submitting to that, following that, teaching that, and the release of the life-giving water of the Spirit. How in the world would rivers of living water flow out of your innermost being, out of your belly? How would that be if that wasn't already devoted to communing with God and hearing from Him and functioning on behalf of His mysteries through the expressions coming out of that? Well, it's just not going to happen you're going to be a dry well. And that's not a good thing. You know, one of the things that amazes me, and I'm, I'm going to move on from here, but um, I'm not just quite ready yet. Uh, you know, I grew up in, in Pennsylvania. We got a lot of rivers and streams there. I mean, they're, they're everywhere. And we're blessed by that. But it's known for the three rivers, the sports teams, meet down there and you know we've done activations there but in the middle of that at the point where the French fort was um, there is a fountain that shoots up and that fountain is supplied by a fourth river a deep aquifer that flows underneath the Ohio and even in some of the office buildings where they dug down deep into the uh, uh, the firmament they, they hit this river it, it Generates up in Canada, and it comes down through Wisconsin and and comes on through, and um, it it's it, even in some of those those skyscrapers. If you go down into the lower levels of their parking garage, there are there are grates and sump pumps that keep that aquifer river from flooding those buildings. It's very interesting, and they say that you can drink out of that fountain. I don't. I wouldn't. With all the fracking that's going on, you never know what kind of a cocktail that's produced. But there's a deep river, and it's, it's a big river. Yeah, I mean, it is a big river that nobody ever sees in the natural, but it's there. How many rivers in the spirit realm is God going to allow us to access that God created from the foundation of the world? Uh, how many ways is the river, of course, the source of it all, is the Temple of the... T- it's not Bev, but the source of it all <laughs> is the Temple of the Tabernacle of Testimony. And, um, uh, but how many ways does that manifest? How many ways do those streams manifest? How many of them um, are, are like hidden in the rock? I, I, I don't know. How did Moses know to go to that rock? Seems that I remember reading that he didn't have a geological survey from, ever, from everybody who had sound minds, God said, go over here, smite this thing. And then God said, go and speak to this thing. And when the second time when Moses didn't speak to it the way he was supposed to, God said, you didn't do what I said to do at the right hand. Isn't that right? You didn't believe me to sanctify me before the people. You did not Ammon. Seems to me that the discovery of water, even when the angel went to provide for Hagar and in, in Issachar, Um, There was a well that sprang up because of the angel. Um, You know, this is something spiritually that God's preparing us for. And and I just think it's very interesting, this connection between friend and the hidden root frail, which, uh, again, was just synonymous. How do we hear from God? How do we dig into a water source? How do we... Have a water source? Well you do it the same way you hear from God. It was interchangeable. And, and so to me, to me, the sound mind is, uh, is an indication of what the end result is in our partnership with God. We're not in fear because no matter where we are, God's going to be able to speak to us if we listen and He's going to generate the miraculous. It doesn't matter what fear may be gripping a certain nation because we have the river of God. We're going to hear from God, and the supply is going to come forth. It doesn't matter what kind of thing the enemy has been generating over here. We're going to be able, at the directive of the Lord, to bring a way for people to commune with God and to tap into hidden resources that are not readily seen, that maybe have not been seen at all by man to this point. But it all comes back to us being a people who are spiritual people, and who commit our lives, our emotions, our minds to the word of God, and because that will never pass away, it's it's always been, but but we are we are hearing from Him and our phraseology, watch your phraseology, madam, where our phrases come forth from that. It it's all there. What's the structure of that? Well, well, it's this, this word for us, oh where we get our word f- phrase from. Uh, how can you describe how that is disseminated? Well, it comes from this musculature, uh, dia freo, dia-fram, and, and that musculature is what's powering it. It powers the expression. It powers all the function of the core. I mean, it it's so fascinating. I've already beat it to death here. Well, it's not dead. I speak life to it. What about the other two factors? Power and love. Well, let's talk about love real quick. You know, we've studied this. We're written on it. I mean, again, I'm not dismissing it or diminishing it. You don't need me to talk to you about agape. But remember what the Hebrew root of agape is. It's agape, which means to what? To breathe hard after someone or something. Very clearly, you can look it up in the high and holy strongs and it will direct you to agab in the Hebrew. To breathe after. Hmm. Does that sound familiar? If you've got a breathing capacity that has been sozo, saved, set free, delivered. So you can breathe Well, it's just wonderful that the second part of this that God gives is to breathe hard after something. It's just almost poetic, isn't it? That the two of them would coexist in that way. What about power, dunamis? This is the month of the evangelist. Well, power, dunamis, we've studied about the flow patterns, the power words, we've talked about Uh, It's placement in the five uh, that flows from the throne. And uh, we've talked in general to say that dunamis is simply function. I was studying about this, even though we've studied it. You can always learn more. And I found in another really old German translated into English, um, just uh, volume about Greek New Testament, and I found that this, this German guy said that uh, dunamis can best be described as I can. Isn't that something? Function. And, you know, we, we like to talk about how it's dynamite comes from this word. I, I just chose one, two, three, four passages. We've studied these before, but I just think this is interesting. Let's look at this. Uh, Ephesians 3.16, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened, that's the power of the throne, Kratos, with might, dunamis, by his spirit. Where? In the inner man. Oh, I wonder what's going on there. Could it be where the friend is? Well, I think so. So God wants us to partner with him in his glory, and from his throne, the power of the throne, the kratos, he says, let's let that spirit within you function. Dunamis. You know, you don't, you don't want to have any explosions going on in there. You have to see a gastroenterologist about it. You want function. Everybody wants function. You know, you don't, you don't see any ads on TV saying, do you, have, do you want to have explosions in your belly? No, you want function. And you can get all kinds of things from herbs to laxatives to this elixir and that elixir. Even QVC and HSN sell it. I bet you even Elijah List sells it. Some kind of a muddy concoction from the Jordan River. Um, but you want Function. But in the spirit realm, you want that spirit quickened to function. And Ephesians 3.16, one of the 3.16s, is speaking of that. I love that one. Then you've got 1 Corinthians 15. Now, here are some factors that talk about the power of the resurrection. You want to talk about the power of the resurrection? We've written on this. We've preached on it. Well, let's see what it says. Verse 42. So also is the resurrection of the dead. And look at these factors: it is sown in corruption; it is raised in corruption. Corruption there just means that everything is disheveled. So, <clears throat> if you want to talk about the power of the resurrection, um, the first thing you need to know is that you're going to encounter things that are disheveled. Second, dishonor; it is raised in glory. And it's interesting here because the word for dishonor is is a uh a uh uses this same <clears throat> idea of honor which is used in the book of revelation to describe partnering with the glory and it says you're going to find things that are not willing to to wait on the timing of god and to become imprinted as a representative of his presence you're going to find that but if if the power of the resurrection can bring it from that into a full-fledged measure of his glory. It is sown in weakness. That's asthenia, something that is a form without function, but it is raised in dunamis. So dunamis brings about function to a body that is otherwise perfect but has no life in it. I just think that's interesting, here again, dunamis, I can function once again. And then, it is sown a natural body, and whoop-de-doo, it is raised as pneumatikos, wow, somebody that's functioning with great skill in spirit, isn't that something? And then Paul, just in case we were skipping past that with our sound mind, says there is a natural body and there is a pneumatikos body. Wow, did you know there is a new, the way your body should be functioning is that it's a pneumatikos? Let's see, what do we want to be in church? Do we want to be a pneumo- natural body or do we want to be a pneumatikos body? Well, the, the spirit of the resurrection says you should be a pneumatikos body. And so it is written, the first Adam was made a living soul. The last Adam was made a quickening spirit. Who was the last Adam? Hmm, Seems I read that somewhere. Jesus is. And what's he want to do? He will quicken your spirit. And I love that song that, that I heard the old man when I visited Wales back in the 70s who lived during the Welsh revival. He said one of their favorite songs was, If the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, dwell in you, dwell in you. He will quicken your mortal body. They would sing that as they were walking down the street, falling out in the spirit. I don't know who wrote it, but they were singing that song that was a scripture. God wants to quicken your pneumatic body. He wants the dunamis to function where you've not been functioning. And really... (laughs) If, if we read this anointed scripture properly, so is the resurrection of the dead. These things are the power of the resurrection. What is the most important thing that needs to be resurrected in your life? The pneumatikos body, the inner man, the spirit within. Where there has not been function in partnership with the glory, you need to function in partnership with the glory. And if there's something that's disheveled and out of place, God wants to bring those dry bones together, and he wants you to function properly. But the dunamis is there. Let's look at Hebrews 11.11. Through faith, also Sarah herself received dunamis to conceive seed. Wow. I'm glad that doesn't mean dynamite. (laughs) You imagine Sarah... How did Abraham describe her? You can read it for yourself. It's good reading. But um, she was well past prime, and so was he. Well, he probably could still function. As I said about old men, you know, they can still have babies. They just can't lift them. Um, But Sarah was, was dry well, if there was one. Well, Dunamis came. I'm glad it didn't explode within her. I'm glad God just brought function. That's what dunamis does. Function. Resolution, as it were. The way God created things to be now moving wonderfully. So Sarah received dunamis to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. Now, some of you are wondering, well, what's the connection with the Virgin Mary, Ave Maria? What's the function there? Well, if you look at it, the Bible says that the dunamis overshadowed her. That's what we need. That's one of the things I'm asking God for in this month of the evangelist, that as we're bearing this precious seed, as we're as David Duplessis would say, as we're pregnant with Jesus, as we're believing for Christ to be formed in thousands of pastors around the world beginning this year and into the next couple of years. We need to be overshadowed by the dunamis. There needs to be a cloud of dunamis upon us that the prevailing atmosphere that would be around and about us, above, below us, within us would be dunamis, function. That you don't have to teach function into being even though they need to know how to function once they're functioning but mary was overshadowed by dunamis she was the the holy ghost was what brought the conception read it it's there but she was overshadowed by dunamis we need that so you got sarah who god put dunamis within her womb and caused function to come way past the time when function was already burned out but Mary was overshadowed by dunamis. It wasn't like, I, I, you know, I've been to so many wonderful museums in, in Europe and seen Renaissance, Renaissance depictions of Mary. I never saw one where there were just explosions happening all around her. It was, it, usually there's this glow that they paint around her. And um, the overshadowing of dunamis is something we need. We need that atmosphere of dunamis. And I would think, too, that if you think about the progression of how it goes Kratos to Iskris and then it goes to Exousia and then it comes to dunamis, the thing that makes Megus happen, which is next, is this overshadowing of function. Because we want the Megas to function. And we can't do it on our own. We must have the efficacy of dunamis to quicken the indigenous peoples so that function in the megas will happen. We need this. And I've never seen it that way before. So the Spirit has given us a great task that Christ would be born throughout the world in the hearts of pastors and prayer leaders and saints who are called, getting ready for what is coming. It's God's timing but we need this overshadowing of dunamis so god hasn't given us a spirit of fear but he's given us power he's given us dunamis and agape to breathe hard breathe hard after him and after his purpose and then to be set free within us in the friend so that we can be delivered and healed in the friend and so that we can then impart and teach others how to also be that then to tap into the rivers of life that Jesus prophesied and that so many other passages of Scripture speak about. God looks for people by the well and says, Would you like to dip in there? I'm going to give you water to drink. If you know who's talking to you, I will give you water and you'll never thirst again. How would that be? Was it some kind of elixir that you could take a sip? Well, that's good. I don't ever have to hydrate again. It's just in me now. That's nonsense. We know that that's not true. What was he talking about? In the places where the Spirit of God is searching for those that will be on their face, calling unto Him, God the Father searches for those. I'm going to show you how to find your own well, how to dig deep into the things of the Spirit, and you will never thirst again. I don't mind saying, you know, I'm not one of those that thinks if we go into these nations, and we've gone into many of them, thanks be to god and that these people have to i don't want to hear them saying oh i wish you'd come back so that we can we can't stand on our own i want them to say thank you father for showing us the words of life and we can now commune with you and we can dig into the wells of salvation and we can see the desert place where we live now turned into a fruitful plain because of the friends of the bridegroom that have come and taught that. I am not intimidated by that at all. I'll tell you the one thing that that really does irritate me, many of you already know this, is when people receive the truth and they don't give a flip. Jesus talked about that. Read it. It may not be underlined in your scripture, but he described it. And he also said if you go into a place like that, you shake the dust off your feet and get out of there. It will be more tolerable for them. For, for the, it will be less tolerable for them than it was for Sodom and for Tyre. <laughs> Read it. It's there. It may not be the love message. The progressive God loves everybody. And no matter what you do, you're just going to enter into heaven. You're already there now. That's not what Jesus said. He makes a way for everybody to know him. And then the other thing that, that as a mnemonic people, that if they know the truth, and then they, then they want to have other water sources. They have uh, demonic wells, trucks pulling up to give them water because it's all the same water anyway. It's all God's source. It's all God's water. I don't like that at all. That's a demonic trap. And it functions in fear. Do you ever see the basis of progressive ideology? It's all based in fear. It's all based in somebody wounded me and I'm still afraid of it. Oh, I've got to get away from it. It's all based in fear. Every reaction, oh, you need to take accountability for things that happened hundreds of years ago. We're afraid of that. You have to take accountability for it. It's all fear. It is. God hasn't given that. What's he given? Function. What's he given? The ability, the privilege of knowing the Father and breathing hard after him and after his purpose. What's he given? The quickening of the spirit within so that we can receive from him and gain insights of his mysteries. And and that, yes, is the privilege of all privileges. But it's also... To be able to delve deep into the water source of the divine and to bring life and vitality to people and to nations. What about this one, Matthew 6 13? Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the dunamis and the glory forever. Amen. What does that mean? Well, it's, honestly, you know I'm going to link it right up with what we've been talking about because it's there. I'm not bending it, twisting it, and shaking it in, and pressing it to make it fit. It's there. What does it mean? Um, First of all, you know that this is, this is um, out of the Lord's Prayer. And I'm not forgetting what comes before but for the purposes of this lead us not into temptation deliver us from evil let's talk about that first and we recognize that let no man say he's tempted of God that we read that in scripture too so to ask God not to do something that the scripture says he's not going to do is kind of stupid oh forgive me I hope that didn't influence any of your children Uh, It's kind of redundant and it makes no sense. The thing is that temptation here is to examine, to test, reprove. I did it for want of a better term, a deeper dive into the understanding of that. And that word was used to describe when people start questioning the things that are the fabric of who they are. And they start doubting what they know to be true. And they, they test it. They start messing around with it, particularly the things of God. And they they really press the envelope of going against what his eternal truths are. That's the, the main root of temptation. It's not whether you're going to knock over the piggly wiggly. It's not whether you're going to go down and gamble away your paycheck so your kids starve. It's not you see some... A woman out in the corner when you're jackhammering a st- on a construction site and you blow off the, whew, whew, or whatever you might do, those are temptations that are soulish. The worst temptation is when we begin to expose the core of who God has created us to be to other ideologies, and and lead us, lead us not. Um, really, if you look at what lead is. It is discovering something. It's, it's entering into a new place. So don't let us enter into a place where we are evaluating and reevaluating things that you have established. And what has Jesus said up to this point? Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. All of those wonderful things. He gets here to the end and, and he says, Father, help us not to ever go into a place where we begin to question and doubt who you are and what you've said. That's what this means. The way it's translated would seem that, oh God, please don't lead me to some path. Now, he may present something before you. I mean, I I, I told you about reading some of those ridiculous books that are all the rage in so many of the progressive churches. And 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 I was reading them, not so that I could fulfill my Reader's Digest list, but so that I could make sure I understand what was being said so that I could warn the saints. And several of those pages were, boy, those monocost words. Woo, yes, that sounds great. And it's written so poetically. Oh, it just warmed my heart. And then it led us right to a thing that is absolutely demonic and not scriptural. You know, God, help me. Sometimes God will allow us to see those things so that we're prepared to counsel others. But you got to be careful. Don't delve deep, too deep into it or you'll find yourself shipwrecked. But to think that God's just up there in heaven saying, well, I'm going to throw a real trick in front of Debbie Kay today. Let's see how she handles it. God's, he's not a practical joker. You know, he's not a practical tempter. He's not doing that. So to ask him not to do that is foolhardy. No, this is talking at this crux point in the Lord's Prayer about you be careful where you're allowing yourself to go. And if it's ever to a point where the cardinal foundational things that God has established to you are being questioned, You know that's demonic. That's right out of the hath God said book of the serpent in the garden. That's right out of what Satan tried with Jesus. Is it not written? (laughs) No, no, that's not what's written. God said this. Don't put yourself in that position. But then what's it say? deliver us from evil. I like this. This is the other word for delivery. Delivering. Sozo, we talked about earlier. This is reomai. It's used 17 times in the New Testament. And when here's, here's a great collection of, of definition. To rush a current of some sort. To draw for oneself. In other words, You utilize the resources that are around you. You you utilize the things that really are proactive and positive that are there for you. And you choose that as opposed to the nonsense that you shouldn't be messing with. Now, that's Uncle Ronnie's translation of that scripture. But that's what it is. That's what it is. It's, it's amazing to me. Now, you know, when Jesus was on the cross and the naysayers were down there mocking him, they said, Physician, heal thyself. Get yourself done off of there. They use this word, really appealing to him to utilize the resources that he said he had, which really he did have, uh, to, to take matters into his own hands and get off there. That's one of the usages of this word. But here Jesus says, deliver us from evil. It's not him delivering us. It's him speaking to you about the factors and the scenario that he's placed you in. You're communing with him. Take advantage of what he's given and don't go into the place that the enemy wants you in. See, this is all very proactive. And I love the King James. I know it's what the Apostle Paul carried. I have I don't know how many volumes of the King James. That's what I study in, so I'm not mocking it. But what I will say is that some of the ways that it was translated, and I give them all the blessing in the world for what they did. It, when you just read it on surface, it can confuse, but if you take the time to study a little bit, it unlocks things. But we're not finished there. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory. It'll always be this way at the right hand of God. The kingdom, the basileia. God has said, it's coming. You've been praying about that. It's where your feet are standing. The feet of God will stand. The kingdom is there. So what you have to have there is the function, dunamis. And what you're going to have at the end of it is you're going to have the revelation of something that God has wanted to do that he's partnered with you to bring about, and that's what the glory is. Oh, is that just going to be for now, or is that some one-off, or is that some wacky thing that happened that that, that God's just not doing anymore? No, it's forever. And no matter what lexicon you look in, no matter what language you look in, forever means forever. Forever and ever, and he shall reign for. You know what that means. So this is not some crazy thing that those people over at the Father's church are speaking about that's really unscriptural. It's cult-like, you know. No, those same people, if they make it to heaven, whoever they may be, are going to find out that this is the way it functions up there forever. Dunamis, function. We need that, don't we? So, God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but He's given us dunamis. He's given us the ability to breathe hard after God and after His purpose, to breathe that in and welcome it. And He's given us a spirit, blessed be God, through the quickening of the Lord Jesus Christ, that is free. That is not only free, but is healed. That is not only healed, but is functioning and doing what it was created to do. That's what God has given. And it has nothing to do with the mind with the exception of the fact that the mind better pay attention and get in line. That's what the Scripture says. So God has not given us the fear that's motivating the world and, and being twisted in such a way to to influence people to do unspeakable things and ridiculous things and and to make uh, just idiotic laws and rules. God hasn't given that. Well, what has he given? Those three things. And part of that blessing for us during this month, you know, we talk about the evangelist and we talk about the the grace remedies and the working of dunamis. Since we've been studying about dunamis, how does that change our understanding of the King James working of dunamis? Well, it could just easily said, the working of function. This is how it's supposed to work. This is how it's supposed to function. And you know, I was also studying about Euangelistus. And I recognized in the ancient Greek society, when they would have a runner that came into town to either speak about a great victory or to speak about some athletic conquest that's happened, that's what they called the guy who came in to say, hey, we just won a great victory. Or, hey, we just got a big triumph. Or, hey, we're number one. They would call that person by this name. So any evangelist that goes forth to set the stage for the coming of the apostolic word and we're all supposed to be welcoming that and doing that work is going to be saying hey there's a better way you know we're a messenger we're like we're like the angels you know it's interesting too in the old testament we've studied this in the past and i'm almost done now i'm on fumes now um i'll try not to asphyxiate you but you know, you look in the Old Testament, you find malak, the word translated as angel, is also readily d- translated as a messenger. You know, patriarchs would send out messengers. They'd use that same word. So we're doing a work of the evangelist. We're partnering with the angelic, but we are messengers of the Father. And we're declaring to people, here's the way. Here's the great victory. You may not have known it, but here it is. We're going into churches telling this. Now, yeah, we also speak the gospel message. God's been speaking to me about our first gathering down there in Brazil at that theater and how it needs to incorporate people accepting Christ and being uh, repenting of sin and, and to make sure that there are, there isn't a collection of mystics or people that have been functioning in in Aztec or Mayan or or any other kind of perverted, heathenistic viewpoints of what Christianity is. And there's a lot of that in there. But we're going to bring that. So yes, we will bring the message of being born again. But you know as well as I do that God said from the very beginning that we were to be apostles into the churches. That almost sounds like a misnomer, doesn't it? How How many churches would have already gotten up and walked out after about five minutes of this sermon. Not scriptural. What, are you saying that my mind is not to be respected in this place? No, I'm saying let your mind dig down. The the very next thing is I don't understand any of that. So if your mind is as big as you think it is, how can you say you can't understand this? How can you not understand what is clearly written? It's just that that sound mind doesn't want to do this. So they said, it's not scriptural. I don't understand it. Oh, it's too hard. Make it simple. You know, we were unpacking the, the big truck that Zach had his stuff in. And it was work. Some worked a lot harder than I did. And man, I was amazed. I wondered though, are they working that hard because they're about to freeze and they know they don't, if, they, if they don't move quick, they're going to freeze in their tracks. It's work. It's the work of the ministry. It's work to dig a well. I've never had to. My relatives did. It's work. But you were made for this. We we have to have our spirit free. That's the sound mind. So think about how those three factors formulate the spirit of fear in the world. The antithesis of those three things are the cogs, the perverted cogs of how fear comes. May they get a revelation. They get some word from some pundit or some political party, or something they saw on the media, some lie that's brought forth. That'll be disproved in a couple of years, but for now, it's the driving force. That's our revelation. And anybody who's not going along with our revelation, you're a denier, you're a heretic, you're a rebellion. You're some kind of an ist, whether it's a misogynist or a racist or a supremacist or whatever you are. If you're not going along with the party revelation, you are that. And let's let's function together in this way. Let's make sure everybody's functioning in this way, lest we'll all be killed on our next step. And let's breathe hard after it. Let's make sure everybody's breathing that way. In fact, let's even go into the schools and teach the little kids so that they learn to breathe this way from the time they're four and five. That's the spirit of fear. You see it all around. You see it trying to corrupt society. Now, are you going to be able to vote that out? Well, probably not. You could show up at school board meetings and you can can demonstrate what you believe, and th- those that's all good. But if there's 120 million people that are going to move this way, how do you overcome evil with the good? So you can see how the spirit of fear tries to take these three divine factors and pervert them and control a society. You can... Take the format of that threefold principle. It's a threefold thing, too. There's a what's the seal in that? The agape. So you got to keep on seeking the Lord. Even within this understanding, it's powerless unless unless we have the agape. Now abides faith, hope, and agape. The greatest of these is agape. We've got to keep breathing hard after God. Otherwise, how's what's going to communicate with the spirit within? And You know, what's really, how is it really functioning if it's not functioning on behalf of what the throne wants? Anyway, okay, my fumes are done. Um, I speak, as has been spoken over this month, not just this month, but from here on, that the resolution of function is moving among us. And I welcome over all of the saints this overshadowing of dunamis because that's one of the things that God has given us. I'm, You know, in a way, I'm kind of glad. I should be glad at what God said. God could have said that he's not given us a spirit of fear, but of kratos and agape and sojophroneos. He didn't say that. Wouldn't that have been great to say, you know what, B- brother, believe it? You're functioning on the power of the throne. Well, hopefully we are. But we are wanting his will to be done, his function to be done. And that's more than just declaring it, binding, rebuking. You gotta get in there and you gotta believe. And you gotta call forth. If that's the spirit of the resurrection you got to call forth those things that be not as though they are. And that's dunamis. Directed by the throne, but that's what God has given us, the I can power, the function. Anyway, Father, thank you for this. I could just keep going on and on, and I'm going to resist the temptation to do that. I speak blessing over your people. I thank you for what you've imparted to us here. I pray that we'll understand you and your word more and more. May this meat today be tomorrow's milk for us, and may we keep moving forward in you. There's so much more to know in you. It'll be forever. I bless your people. Even today, may resolution and function be evident in places where it's not been. For your kingdom and for your glory forever. And we ask it in Jesus' name, amen. Okay. Thanks, everybody. I hope you uh, will keep studying this meet. And um, grateful that we'll be able to broadcast this week. There'll be no ice storm that keeps us from Wednesday night live. (laughs) And uh, God bless you all. Thanks for tuning in, everybody.